Welcome to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. everybody. I'm so excited to have you join us for another episode of Momnificent here. Uh, thank you for joining me. I think you're going to get a lot out of this um, interview, and I'm so excited to have Diane with me. She is a truly remarkable guest who embody, embodies the title of Mom on a Mission. She's the founder and CEO of Symmetry NeuroPT, a passionate advocate for brain health transformation. I love that and an extraordinary leader in the world of neurofeedback therapy. After experiencing a life-changing transformation in her own family, she was inspired to make it her mission to extend this opportunity to you. My guest today, Diane Costo, will share her inspiring journey and the incredible work she's doing to help you better regulate your brain. I cannot wait to hear more. And with a deep belief that everyone deserves the chance to heal and thrive Diane's story is one of hope, resilience, and unwavering pursuit of wellness. Diane, welcome to Momnificent. Wow, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. And her book just got published last month. Congratulations, super congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I really hope it's gonna be a great resource for families to provide some hope and inspiration and educate them a bit on the modality of neurofeedback that should be number one level support. Yeah. So Diane, why don't we just dive in right there and tell our audience and those who are listening um, about your book, what prompted it, maybe the, the quick and brief story that kind of brought you into that. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to make it quick and brief because it was a long saga with my youngest son who was okay. impulsive off the charts um, from about age five to 12. I searched for different environments, different programs, anything I could do to to help him, but his impulsivity got him kicked out of every different school and program that I tried. Um, so we went into a lot of debt, had a lot of trauma, trying to find those environments, literally sending him away from home too. Oh. Uh, yeah, it wasn't until he ended up in a school for troubled teens, 12 going on 13, that I was introduced to neurofeedback. And that was the difference maker in his life. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we have to back up a minute because, so I'm an elementary school principal and um, we have kids over the years who struggle. And I just want to dip into, can you just tell me how you felt when your child was struggling in school? What, what were those feelings you went through as a mom at that time? Well, the ones that stand out to me the most is that kind of like PTSD effect of the phone ringing and somebody calling me and saying, you've got to come pick them up. You know, like that still makes my stomach kind of flip flop a little bit. Um, it was scary because we kept running out of options and I didn't know how to help him. And we knew he was smart. We knew he had potential, but he came across as a 110% boy with a bad attitude. So it, it rubbed people the wrong way and, uh, you know, we just ran out of options to help him. So I guess as a 
single parent, I was in such a um, action mode that I kept thinking that if I could do the next thing or find the next place, I'm, I'm a problem solver, you know, I'm always trying to find the solution. That kind of kept me going. You know, in hindsight, though, um, it's scary. You know, you just don't know what to do when people are just shaking their heads and asking you to come and pick them up. Right. Yeah. What's one thing now I'm totally going off script, but now I'm just so fascinated. And, and into this. what's one thing maybe they did or they didn't do, but you would you would wish the principal or the teachers had done or said for you, what did you feel you needed from us, like me on the education side at that moment? If, if you were to know and tell us word of advice. Yeah, I, I think what was lacking was the realization that there was a physical reason he was responding to his environment the way he was. There was a physical reason in his brain. Um, and you know, you hear the body keeps the score, whatever yes. it was, it wasn't just a choice. Yeah, it wasn't just a choice for him. He was responding to his environment in a way that he needed to protect himself. But because it appeared as a, like I said, the boy with the bad attitude, you know, he played tough guy underneath. He was hurting. He was failing. He was getting judged. He was distracted. He was afraid. Whatever it was that he felt, he didn't show that. He just came across as this tough guy. That had we known and people maybe would have realized that there really was something deeper in there in his body as to why he was responding the way he did, we would have treated him a lot differently and handled the situation differently. Mm, so good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Because we I, I try my best and it's always hard. You know, it's hard for the teachers because they're working with all their students and they they're, you know, so I'm trying to support them. And then the parents are like, you know, you're just calling me like all the time. And, and that's really hard, too. And you're and that, then, then there's the, the child who we're all trying to support. And the parent is showing up doing the best they can. That teacher is doing the best they can. And it can be really, really challenging, really, really difficult. At it times. is. And that's part of why I feel like if we had that information, had I had a brain map, a QEG brain map on my son, and we knew that his network's most responsible for impulsivity were dysregulated, then we would have known it wasn't just his choice, right? Yeah. We would have, could have treated him differently. So if, if we all had access to those QEG brain maps, understanding what really is going on with the kids, is it really an attention problem or is it anxiety? Is it impulsivity or is it anger? Like what is it and which networks in the brain are off and, and why are they responding the way that they do? And I know that takes a different level uh, that we are not at yet, but that's why I'm here speaking with you and hopefully you're sharing with your audience and your colleagues that it's an option to take a look at that brain map and find out what's happening in each of those kids' brains so that we know how to better handle them. Yeah. Is it any of the work similar to Daniel, Dr. Daniel Amen? Because I love following him. He does a different spec scan. He's looking at imaging okay. of the brain. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of the same lines. Uh, yeah. He said, oh, imaging was happening. Yeah. And so our QED maps, we're measuring the communication networks in the brain. He's looking okay. at some more structural things and oxygen flow, and, and we are looking at how the brain is communicating. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, man. I could keep talking and talking to you. This is so good. Um, so 
yeah well i guess okay so then your story or turning point that led you to embark on this journey like into the world of neurofeedback therapy and brain regulation so maybe you want to kind of start right there with us when oh, think, yeah. what you learned getting stages of that and what what you would say to someone who's like what is she talking about <laughs> right yeah it was really when i was out of options for him you know we had tried all of these different things that i was introduced to someone that was trying to make neurofeedback easier and more accessible so i went through that training and i learned that there are physical patterns in the brain that contribute to our behavior, our moods, everything. And it made sense to me because we tried so many things with him and he knew what he knew what he knew, but he still couldn't control that impulse. He didn't have a pause before reacting. So it made sense to me that it could be a physical reason that could be brain related. So at that time, that was like 13 years ago, we didn't use the whole brain mapping. We were doing a single site evaluation where we put a little sensor on the top of their head and it's little cup that maybe about the size of uh, an eraser on a pencil. And that would plug into a little specialized amplifier that would pick up the brainwave communication, the brainwaves, you know, that's the electrical activity when your brain is communicating and doing its thing. And it would then detect when the brain would meet a healthy pattern or not. And based on that information, we can teach the brain to produce healthier, more normalized patterns so that people can function better. So back then we were just looking at that one site. Now we can look at 19 full areas of, around the brain and find out which networks are, are spot on and which need a little help, <laughs> you know, and I haven't seen a perfect brain yet. So. <laughs> we all have issues. <laughs> yes. So the we parents brain maps too. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And there's so much we, we compensate for right. that is probably, probably a little bit of a problem that we've just learned to kind of make it appear not as bad as maybe it is because it's it's not no perfect like you're saying. Absolutely. We find workarounds to everything, you know, to the dysregulation. Yeah. So I'm um, going back to your question, I guess no, that's yeah, where way back then we started just with measuring the brainwave activity and looking at the symptoms. And then based okay. on that information, we would come up with a series of what we call a session, a neurofeedback session. So like my son would just be sitting there with that sensor on again, but he'd be watching a video and it would play brighter and louder when his brain met the goals and the healthy pattern that we wanted to encourage. And it would go dimmer and quieter when the brain was not producing a healthy pattern. So it was just reinforcing that positive pattern over and over using the common typical way that we learn anything, repeating it and practicing it, right? Like when you learn to ride a bike or write with a pencil, you practice, 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 and pretty soon you're doing it and you don't even have to think about it. So that's the goal and that's the process. It's just using technology to help the brain learn that specific pattern. Does that make sense? A little bit. So, <laughs> he, so he's watching something that is showing scenarios that when no. he, or just watching anything. <laughs> you can yeah, you can stream anything online now, Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, you're watching a video, a movie, a show, the software puts an overlay over top of it, and it fades according to what the brain is doing. So the neuros, the measuring the brain waves, the feedback is giving the brain information on what it's doing. So it's playing brighter and louder, you can see it better and hear it better when you produce a healthy pattern. And it goes dimmer and quieter when you're not producing the pattern that we want. So that's the feedback. That's wild constantly reinforcing the correct patterns. That's Very amazing. Positive. And it's just happening at a at the brainwave level. 
Right. There's no try. You don't have to sit there and really, you know, oh, try really hard. And, and no way. Because the more, the more you relax and let your brain do its natural thing, the quicker the brain will learn that. I mean, think about when you wake up in the morning, your eyes naturally focus. Or when you hear like a, a noise outside or a whisper or something like that, your, your ears kind of tune into it, right? That's a natural reaction. That's going to happen while they're watching the screen too. And their brain will figure out what pattern it has to produce to get to see that. That's wild. It's almost like your, your, your body can heal itself. Right. Yeah. You're, we you're do have it. Natural. Kind of a, I mean, it sounds like yeah. you're helping, a little, but it's, it's really doing like it, it really can. Yeah. Like better way to describe it in my brain. It's like, it's actually healing itself. Right. It's a natural process of learning. It's technology driven learning. Wow. Oh my gosh. So like how you probably, I mean, do you like wake up every morning. You're like, I have to share this with the entire world. Yeah. Because he almost ran out I and mean, he did run out of options and we had a lot of trauma and went into a lot of debt and it was scary trying to figure out what was going to happen to him next. He would be locked up or accidentally have killed himself if it wasn't for this. So as a mom, how can you not share that? You know, and the fact that I went through all of those years and nobody mentioned it, the fact that teachers are struggling with students like this in the classroom and nobody uses, not nobody, there are many more people using it now than they used to be, but. Yes, yes, and there's, there's groups on Facebook that I'm in and the stories these parents are sharing of their kids with such behaviors, they are at a loss and my heart just breaks for them. Like, like, yeah, I just want to help. Like, I just want to help. Like, don't, it shouldn't have to be like that. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't be the last resort yeah. access to it early on. It should be in all of our homes. Um, just yes. like other technologies, I believe. Wow. All right. So can you explain? Oh, I like this question. Can you explain what dysregulation in the nervous system of the body and the brain is and how it manifests? Mm -hmm. And then I was going to say what it might look like in a kid, because as the educator had on, like, what do, what, what would you say to us, even as the teachers and the educators, when, what, what would we see? And what, what, what step would you even say to us? That was like a loaded question. Right, right. There's a lot to that. Let me try to <laughs> try to answer. So, but, you know, think about what it looks yeah, like. The kids, they're, they're fidgeting. They're having to stimulate themselves. They're uh, distracted easily. That's how it looks. It looks like um, freezing and getting upset when they're going to take a test. It looks like social issues. It looks like impulsivity, like my son. I mean, it, it comes across as all of those behaviors that can be distracting and difficult for people. And it comes down to that common factor that when your brain isn't communicating properly, it's dysregulated. And that can be in the body as well. Like the body keeps a score, traumas that we have, uh, developmental interruptions, poor nutrition, uh, lack of sleep, all of that can disrupt the signaling coming from the body to the brain and how the brain is communicating as well. So taking a look at that and considering that that there really is that physical component. And that is number one on the bottom of the, you know, the, the base of how we, we develop and what we need. We need that physical um, aspect of it first before the cognition is gonna kick on. If our nervous system is sending the wrong signals and our body is stressed and bracing or something, we can't think as clearly and learn when we're under Which stress. Is, 
remember things, we, you know. Yeah, yeah, and we always, we, we say that, you know, if, 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 if a child is displaying behaviors, like we have to work on the behavior first before they're in a space where they're gonna cognitively take in everything that you're saying. Right. But, but, but we don't even talk about the dysregulation of the nervous system in school. <laughs> like, comes before the behavior, you know, it, we have it to start talking about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, this is so recognizing the physical component. So each individual may need different things. You know, some kids are going to need like some balance work, and there's the different tools and modalities to help them with that, and that can improve and regulate the signaling to the brain. Um, some of them need the neurofeedback where we're going right to the brain level. Some maybe biofeedback where they're learning to breathe properly and oxygenate their brain and calm their central nervous system through breathing. All of those things can be guided using technology-driven modalities to help. So fascinating. So then what um, what would you say <laughs> as a first step for when we start talking about students dysregulated in the nervous system, <coughs> excuse me, what would you say to those teachers? So I would love the teachers to learn to pick up the book, you know, and learn a little bit more about the neurofeedback option and actually recommending that these parents find someone to do a QEG brain map mm -hmm. before we just send them to the prescribers. Yeah. That's what I would hope for. Okay. And was there anything that your son said he thought would have helped him in school from us as the teachers? I never asked him that question. All right, you I'll ask him that. I'll ask him. Ask him that. Think I that. love, I just, I'm so fascinated because I believe there's a lot of things we think a kid, well, there's a lot of things we think and we do. And I'm always fascinated to hear and, and what would help you right now. And sometimes they look at you like you have two heads because nobody asks them that. We just tell them what we want them to do. And when right. you're not right, they know that and they get the feedback when they're right, doing expected behaviors. And I just, it's its fascinating. I only just started asking students that and it, it, it blows me away what some of them come out with it. Cause I'm like, oh my God, know? he knows. Okay, that's great. Yeah. I know I my son if there was something that I could have done differently and he just said he still would have done what he did because <laughs> that's how he was, <laughs> you know, he, yeah. It, matter where we put him or what we did. He doesn't agree with all of the decisions I made. And sure. you know, it's hard for all of us. But in the end, he says he still was who he was, wherever he was, and it didn't really matter. And that's kind of the truth of it. Yeah. yeah. I try to remind kids of that. Like, you're not bad. You made a bad decision and a bad choice, and this is your consequence. Mm -hmm. You're not bad. And I won't ever make kids feel worse after they did something, because whether they show it or not, that's my belief inside somewhere they know and they feel it. And that's not my job to make it, make it worse for them. Yeah, anyway, I, yeah. what sets your approach to neural wellness apart from traditional methods and what exciting breakthroughs have you witnessed? Mm -hmm. Well, the exciting part of it is that we really 
can bring it to the homes now. Our technology is getting more and more mobile. So we are making this more and more available that people don't just have to come into an office, but we can actually send the technology into the homes, zoom in with you. The app is made to be user-friendly and we have a whole case management team that's watching it behind the scenes to make sure everything is on track. So that's the huge advancement in the field uh, and that's gonna help it become more uh, available to people. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. And in a world where mental health resources are often limited, how does the at-home neuro program offer an inclusive and effective alternative for families in need? Yeah, well, I think that that's it. It can go anywhere anyone is, you know, and with time, the price point is going to continue to come down as well. You know, it, it's, it's come down a lot since I first discovered the modality. Wow. So there's did, no... Did it come out when you... Were you able to use it at home? Did it come out by then? No. Mm -mm. You had Our to go home. office. Yeah, we yeah. It was all big. It was a big, I mean, it was multiple monitors and a, you know, when I started that the technology was just bigger and clunkier. And now, you know, there are apps that are starting to be on your phone and uh, smaller amplifiers and everything. So it's did tricky. you have to move to wherever that site was? I did. Yeah. Where, I moved. Where was I did. It? from South Carolina to Kanab, Utah. And I lived there for five months to serve my son and the other students and parents and teachers there. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. They don't and have this the school, do they? Their school ended up closing. Um, we do have oh. a public school in Wyoming that's using it. Are you serious? Yeah, they use their special education funding to purchase a system, which- What is that? Oh, that- Fascinating. What do you know the name of the school? Yeah, Fremont Twenty Five is the district in Wyoming. Yeah, and yeah, so that I thought that was really brilliant and innovative of that. Mm -hmm. They're now, using I it think like therapy. Like, yeah, like, sorry, the, the counselors like, have access to it, and the problem is the counselors need to, you know, multiply themselves. They they need some technicians to be able to serve more kids there, but they did, they were forward thinking in that school district and I'm impressed that they have it. Oh my gosh. All right. I'll, I'll have to reach out to them and learn more because this is very exciting. What's yeah, one story you can leave our listeners with today? Because I'm just going to keep talking. So I'm going to have to cut myself off because <laughs> I'm so fascinated and I can't wait to, uh, for, for people to hear this and share this message. And it, 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 can, it can be a real uh, answer to people's cry. And, and like you said, where it's a scary place for them and this could be um, just the light for them. Um, what's one story you can leave our listeners with today? Maybe about a family who faced challenges and through the neurofeedback experienced healing. Yeah, it's so hard for me to think of one because I have a bunch swirling through my head, you know, the suicidal teenage girl that, you know, finally after months, and this isn't a quick fix or a magic pill, neurofeedback does take time. People need to do around 40 sessions, but after a few months with us, you know, those thoughts were no longer with her. And she actually texted my um, technicians that everything just, she knew things were going to be okay now. And wow. I was like, that's huge. What more could you ask for? You that's know, especially in a world right now where no one can get a therapist because they're all overbooked. People aren't taking any, like there, people are at such a loss for help that mm -hmm. what, where else do they have to turn? 
Right. Um, and so this is such an incredible opportunity and option for families. Um, so you, you learned about it and then you got into it as a technician yourself. How did that happen? Yeah, I went through the training when I, I spoke with that doctor about what was going on with my kiddo. And he said, that's the kind of kid we can help. And so I was like, when and how do I get trained? <laughs> and so I did, I did a three day training and took the system and drove to Utah and started running sessions. And then I shared it with the parents of what I was doing. And they were like, that makes sense. Bring it on. We're spending more money than we have. We don't like the medications. We tried everything we can too. So yeah. let's do it. And I just had this captive audience of these quote unquote troubled teens that came from all over the country. Some were from single parent families like mine. Some were looked like the perfectly ideal intact families. Some were adoptive, some weren't, but they all had the similar challenges. They all were not cutting it in their own environment, right? They weren't able to stay there. They got sent away. And what was the common factor? Brainwave dysregulation. They all had a similar pattern of dysregulation in their brainwaves. Wow. And they all responded in a positive way. Isn't that incredible? It was. What a, what a message. What a message of hope. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna have to away and I was like, how could I not? How can I not go and do whatever I can to share this with people? Right. Or train professionals yeah. how to do it, provide it in the homes, provide it in the schools. So we will do whatever we can to support anyone to have access to it. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. All right. And so how can someone find and follow you? It's definitely Symmetry Neuropathway Training. And that's the name of the company. You can go to symmetryneuropt.com. Uh, we're on social media. I personally am not usually on social media, but here I am. <laughs> uh, so, well, here you are. We tried Instagram Live and that didn't like us. <laughs> They're like, what's Diane doing? Yeah. What is Diane doing? Yeah, she's not supposed to be on. <laughs> this doesn't work for her. <laughs> But we didn't have it. We didn't give up because someone yeah. needs to hear this. I needed to hear this today. Yeah. So I constantly love sharing whatever I can with parents because if it works for them, awesome. If it doesn't, okay. Like, but to find things to help parents is is so it's so at my heart because I believe in these kids and I I, I want to see them succeed. And I know they're incredible beings right. and they just get stuck in things that they're doing that look unexpected. And like 12 years ago at a conference, one, one of the authors would say, I believe kids do well if they can. And that just resonated inside me. And to this day, like that is like my, my chant kids do well if they can. And if they can't, it's up to us to figure out what it is and help them. They, they really aren't showing up at school going like, how can I ruin this? Like, yeah, even though sometimes it seems like they are, they're not right. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's the hardest thing because it yeah. just really looks like they are. And that is so hard at times. Um, and this is an incredible resource and opportunity. So again, uh, Diane, tell us the name of your book again. Uh, it's, uh, From Trauma to Triumph, A Mom's Mission with Neurofeedback. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so look that up. Think of someone you know, share this with them. What were you going to say, Diane? Well, I keep thinking about the educators, you know, and I don't, I know we could keep talking for hours, but how much easier would their jobs be if they did know yes. what was going on with these kids and they could direct how they're approaching them according to how their brains are going to receive that help? Yeah. Yeah. Because they are at such a loss. We are at such a it's loss. Like we 
need need we need the answers we need the help and it there's too little answers and things that seem to be helping even though we know behavior takes a very long time to change like you said it's not it's not overnight it's not a quick fix it's going to take time and look at whatever it is that you have the stories of to show how this has helped right. kids and it could help yours or someone you know right. so please if you're listening to this share this share diane's book um, I'm going to contact this school in Fremont and find out more and see if there isn't anything I can do here in the state of Delaware within our schools and share this with families. Anybody who wants to try and listen and and, and learn more, um, I will I'll point them your way, Diane. Thank you. Thanks for joining me tonight. Yes. Thank you for having me in spite of our time. That's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.